I was upset. I didn't think I had what it takes. It took a while to admit anything was wrong. Diet and exercise sounded intimidating. But small, easy goals made it easy to start. Every situation is different. There are many paths to victory, but the end goal is all the same. This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy. Well, hello. You are listening to the Weight Loss Podcast, the world's greatest video game podcast and the world's worst health and fitness <laughs> podcast. My name is Matt, and I am here, as always, co-hosting with my boss, my employer, also my wife, Courtney. Howdy. And we figured with this episode, well, Courtney and I were having a bit of a chat, and we have taken a bit of a list down of all the things and the little habits and the things that people that have had successful transformations have in common. Because as the saying goes, success leaves clues. So if... There are people, Courtney and myself included, as well as our clients that have had these, these fantastic weight loss journeys and these fantastic transformations. And they've all got these little habits that they have in common. There must be something that we can learn from that. Courtney, would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I think that any, any, anything that you do in life, whether it be body transformation, being a business owner, anything, you really do always look at, okay, what people have done this before and what have they done right? Well, yeah. I mean, if if you've got a, a bunch of people, a collective, and they have achieved these goals that you yourself have, you know, you might have similar goals yourself, and they're all doing things along the same line, even though they're doing it in their own way, it's probably time to pay attention. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's going to be the point of this episode. So we are going to give you uh, the best habits that the best transformations all have in common. So Courtney and I can speak to these habits uh, individually. Uh, we can also speak to it uh, from the trainer's perspective, working with our clients, seeing all these things play out. So without further ado, Courtney, let's kick it off. Okay, let's kick it off with habit. Are we calling it a habit? Let's call it a habit, a successful habit. Successful habit, number one. They ask for help. Mm. Yes, one of, the, one of the, I think, biggest mistakes that can be made is when someone wants to achieve a goal that they've never done before and they say, it's okay, I can do it on my own. Mm. Uh, well, I mean, let's be honest. If you could do it on your own, you probably would have done it by now. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Like that that statement just sums it up perfectly. Mic drop, is that episode over? Well, I mean... That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Weight Loss Podcast. <laughs> I think that, that though that statement does sum it up perfectly because I think that a lot of people do still have that, well, I can do it by myself sort of mentality. Now, I wonder, does that mentality come from, well, if I don't get it, I don't look bad? I think a lot of it does come from fear, fear of failure. I mean, no one wants to look silly, it's is, it, not, is it fear of failure or fear of looking bad? Well, I think both because I think that you look bad if you fail and I think that you look silly. Some Like some people think, okay, if I go into a gym in front of other people, I'm going to look silly. If I ask certain questions, I'm going to look silly. Um, Do you really look bad if you fail? 
Well, no, because we've spoken about it before that you really only fail if you quit. Thank you. Yes. So, no, you don't look silly if you fail. You don't look silly if you work out in the gym and get hot and sweaty and look like a beetroot at the end of a workout session. You, You may look silly, but no one's actually paying attention. No one cares. And you don't look silly if you ask quote unquote silly questions because who is to judge what is a silly question? Um, If you don't know the answer to a question, then how can it be a silly question? If you're asking a question to be a pain in the butt and you actually do know the answer to the question, well, that's a whole different story. But if you don't know what the answer to a question, it can never be a silly question. So yeah, I think there is a lot of that mentality that goes on where people are really afraid um, I think a lot of other people just think that that they can legitimately do it on their own and they don't want to pay someone to help them get there. They don't want to um, give personal information to a stranger that they don't know. I'll tell you something. If you think it is expensive paying a professional for help, try paying an amateur. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So the, the number one or the first habit the first successful habit that the best weight loss transformations have in common is that they are they are not afraid to ask for help. Yes, it can be confronting. Uh, it can be pretty scary, to be honest, uh, but that's where it starts. Yeah. The second successful habit that these fantastic weight loss transformations have in common is that they trust the process that is laid out for them mm. by the people they've asked for help. Yes. So one thing that I, that, okay, a bit of inside baseball here. As a trainer, both Courtney and I, uh, as trainers, one thing that really shits us to tears is when, or the idea of laying out a program for a client that says, okay, here's the exercise I want you to execute over the next 12 weeks. And they go and do other things. Hmm. So they might have two weight training sessions scheduled they might have two intense cardio sessions scheduled and they decide, oh, well, I think I can handle more. I might do four weight training sessions instead. I'll just do two in secret. Um, No, the process is laid out for a reason. Yes. And there is a bit of a leap of faith involved when working with people and when going through the process of your own transformation. The leap of faith is that you need to trust the people you have around you and you need to trust the path that's been laid out in front of you. Now, I do think the path is easier to trust and the process is easier to trust when you can see that the people that have laid the path out for you have got the runs on the board. Yeah. So I know for me, this may sound arrogant, Courtney, but bear with me, you married it. Uh, if if anyone questions, you know, do, we, do you and I know what we're doing? I would very, very quickly point to our wall of fame and say, uh, yeah. Anyway, without getting too far down that rabbit hole, the second successful habit is that they trust the process laid out for them. Yep, love it. So moving on to number three, they admit their mistakes. You can't fix what you can't see. This is big. Now, the, the human mind does like to erase mistakes from our head. That's a bit of a protection mechanism. And touching on what Courtney said earlier, no one wants to look bad. We get it. That's fine. That's normal. 
But we have noticed, and this is for ourselves included, uh, the best transformations that we've seen or been involved with, they've all been willing to own their mistakes. Mm. Because it's hard to progress when everything's working out just fine, allegedly. <laughs> and it's, I suppose as well, the, the first sign you can almost see is when someone who is not in the best shape says to you, Oh, I know I eat healthy. What? Yeah. Uh, okay, look, there's this little thing that I, I use and Courtney's starting to learn it. I just call it the eyeball test where, well, often you can tell looking at people. I mean, you, you do this long enough, you can see looking at people. Um, but the best ones that have had the best transformations have been the ones that have said, you know what, fuck it, I screwed this up. I own it, I did it, let's fix it. Yeah, and I, and I think it's really important to remember that every single client we have, Matt and I have ever had, has made mistakes. Including ourselves. In, including ourselves. Like it is part, it's almost part of the process because it's part of learning. Oh yeah, it definitely is part of the process. When you learn anything new, there's always going to be things you don't know, things that you might have said, oh, okay, I could have done that better but that's where I'll do it better next time. So there's always going to be mistakes. I mean, Matt, you know, as well as I do, we've had clients that have gone off the rails as such for a week at a time, not meltdowns. just yes. whole meltdowns. Week like at a time, I've seen two years, weeks. years at a time. Like, what the hell? But, and then, but the thing is that they trust us enough to come back to Matt and I and to say, I screwed this up. I did blah, 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 blah. Okay. Like, and when you, and this comes back again, I think Matt, you'll agree when you're picking your professional to work with, that you're someone that you trust, that it's not about then, Matt and I aren't going to sit that client down and read them the right act and, you know, abuse them. It's, well, okay, what do you need to do now to be better? You know? Also, what caused it? And it's about looking at those sort of things. And I think a lot of people get so afraid that are they going to disappoint someone or they're going to be in trouble or they're going to be yelled at or, you know, something negative is going to happen where it's mistakes need to be looked at as learning. So if you can admit them and which is what so many successful people uh, that we've worked with, Matt and I have worked with, have done where they admit their mistakes, they're able then to analyze them we're able to analyze them together and say, as Matt just touched on, well, how did that happen? What was the trigger for that to happen? So how did we avoid that happening next time? So it all comes back to learning and trusting the process again. It all wraps into each other. But if you're closed off to that and you're going to lie or you're going to um, just, as Matt said, Hide. Oh, can like forget to write things down because you know it wasn't right, then... You can't really help, can you? You can't help. You can't, you can't, we, you know, as professionals, Matt and I as professionals can't turn around to our clients and say, okay, I see where we, we can improve things here. So it's really just shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. Uh, one, one thing that I say whenever anyone that I work with comes to me and says, oh, okay, look, I've screwed up. I usually start my reply by saying, okay, thank you for telling me. Or... Well done on being brave enough to own this. Yeah. Because I I don't think, well, put it this way, I'm pretty confident in saying you do not get better 
but from your success, you get better from your mistakes. Absolutely. Like I know for myself, and I think Matt, you'll agree, you've, you've probably got clients as well that do this. I mean, I've got clients where I didn't even have to say anything now. They send me or they tell me what they've done and they look at me and I just look at them and they automatically say to me, I know, I know, you don't need to tell me, I know what to do, I I will fix it sort of thing. So they know, they know what they've done, they know how to fix it now, but it's just that still they're upfront about what they've done, but they've, they're learning along the way that these habits come up, that they might've dealt with this before, so they know how to deal with it again. And that's what it's all about. It's about the process of learning. And I think also once once it is spoken into life, whatever the mistake or mistakes may be, well, they they they, they can be dealt with. I I totally agree. They can fester if you don't speak them. Yeah, they can become literal mountains out of molehills, mm. um, or because someone has kept it to themselves for fear of looking bad or fear of letting people down. If you are working with a trainer or a coach. The best way to let them down is to not tell them everything. Yeah, I've I've been guilty of that in the past. Yes. Oh, he says yes with such a disapproving tone. <laughs> All right, moving on to what are we up to, Matt? Number four? Okay, the next successful habit that the best transformations have is that they are eager to learn. Yes, coming back to learning. Yeah, they want to learn new things, learn about themselves, learn about the process that they're doing, which is very different to just, you know, just tell me what to do. Tell mm. me what to eat. Uh, this is precisely why Courtney and I do not, have not, and will not ever give people meal plans. Yep. If you want to help someone, help them devise their own meal plan. Yeah. And I mean, it really is just common sense. If... If Matt and I give you a meal plan and you follow that meal plan for so many X amount of weeks, X amount of days, then of course you're going to lose weight. Like we could write, Matt and I could write you a meal plan where you could easily lose weight if you just follow it and do the exercise. But? But as soon as you stop following it, well, you've learned nothing. You don't know, you you really haven't learned why we've given you that that sort of food to eat you've learned you haven't learned why we've given you the times in which to eat that sort of food we have you haven't learned why you're doing certain exercises when you're doing certain exercises so you know the result but you haven't learned how you've got there i think you also don't through through things like meal plans you also don't learn what your body responds best to yeah that's a huge one because there are sorry courtney after you I was just going to say, because I think there's a massive misconception because I had it as well, that everybody, it's just the same thing. Mm. It's just the same for everybody, which obviously, Matt, you know, is incorrect. Very. So there are certain foods that I can tolerate quite well, like uh, Brussels sprouts. Mm. I love Brussels sprouts. I can have them by the truckload where if Courtney has them. She feels four months pregnant. Mm. Now, if I were to prescribe Courtney a meal plan that had quite a lot of Brussels sprouts prescribed in there, how sustainable is that? Now, take this to an extreme level on the subject of learning. What if, um, what if I were to prescribe someone uh, a meal plan that was packed full of uh, fantastic meats and they were a vegetarian? <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, that just got all good, didn't it? Crazy. Or what if someone loves their meat and loves their, their beef, their seafood, their pork, etc. And I'm a vegan and I give them a vegan meal plan. Is that going to work? No. So learning, yes, it does take the process out a bit longer because you've actually got to fill your brain with information that gets used and implemented over the course of time. But all the best transformations we've been involved with, they've been eager to learn not just about the process, but about themselves. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And why things happen the way that happen. How do they react to certain things? Yeah. And and I think that that's even my my personal favorite part in the gym, especially um, when it comes to weight training, is clients coming to me and saying, oh, how come it feels like this? Or what happens if I was to do it this way? And it's because they're starting to think that, okay, there might be other ways that you can do a certain exercise or they're starting to actually become conscious of their body. So they're starting to realize that your scapula actually retracts. And what does that feel like? And there's just really sort of becoming aware of their bodies, how it functions, how it moves. Uh, and, and I love that because I, the passing on information is fantastic. And then I know that they're going to go off and they're going to pass that information off to somebody else as well. And there's going to be a lot more people that are starting to become more aware and learning this sort of thing. So that, that to me is my favorite part. I think it's also, it's also easier to, to keep what you've earned if you know what you did to get it. Oh, 100%. So uh, I know, Matt, you're always talking about data collection and collecting your data for learning pro, uh, purposes. You're learning so, about yourself. So you're learning about yourself. So then if you, 10 years in the future, if you find that, okay, you've not got the same definition in your body that you once had, you can go back to the data and you know what you need to do to get back there because you've done it before and yep. you've learned it before. Yep. So it's, and, and because it's a whole lifestyle change, not a diet, you're learning how to maintain it long term. So it's not just a 28 day or a four week fix. Mm, mm. Cool. What's the next one? Well, that brings me into my next one, actually. So, which is they think long term. So speaking of 28 days, four week fixes, I think 12 weeks, you know, all these sort of it terms these days. I think 28 days is really still number one. It's it's everywhere. Nothing long term, no long term successful change is going to happen in 28 days. No chance. It is not going to happen. So the 28 days terminology that is very popular at the moment is really just to just to get you sucked into whatever product that they're trying to sell. Even they know that their product isn't going to happen in 28 days. But it's just a headline. It's all it is. So I think a lot of the time, and I've, I've been guilty of this in the past as well, that you get sucked into these headlines because they sound really good. They're on the cover of all the magazines. They're on the cover of all the books. Everyone talks about them. They're all over social media. So you get bombarded with it and you start to believe it. And then you start to try that and you start to try this one. You start to try that one and on and on and on. The most successful transformations we've ever had are people that generally have gone through all of that and realized that it doesn't work and are ready to commit to a long-term change. 
Can I just give a scenario that I, I like to use in this sort of discussion? Please. Okay, speaking of long term, using a bit of common sense, I mean, I do think that deep down, a lot of people do know that it's going to take longer than they would like. Mm. But this is where the appeal of, you know, your 28-day program, your 12-week fixes, etc. The appeal is strong just because it's like, oh, well, could this one work? Yeah. Now consider this. Let's say you are a mum, you're in your mid-40s, you've been carrying a lot of unwanted weight for, let's say, more than 10 years. You've done a lot of different diets. You've done on and off again exercise routines. And you've sort of been going around in circles now for a good 10 to 15 years. Do you think you're going to undo that in 12 weeks? No. So for a lot of people, uh, especially as they get older, towards late 30s, 40s, 50s, etc., the weight tends to creep on. Yeah. So it creeps on over time. Now, do you think it's going to go off in a month? No. If it could, everyone would be happy. Using some common sense, it's just not, it doesn't work that way. There's no other way to put it. So the best transformations that we've been involved with, they've all thought long-term. Hey, they've got a goal. The goal has a time frame attached to it, but they also know that this is setting them up with the habits and the foundations for the rest of their life which is a bit different to, well, I'm going to do this plan for, for 28 days and then go back to normal. Yeah. Except normal is what got you into a bit of trouble in the first place. Absolutely. Just saying. Just just saying. Hashtag just saying. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. Cool. Moving on. All right, the next one. The sixth successful habit the best transformations have in common, they are prepared to leave their comfort zone. Oh, the comfort zone. Yeah, the comfort zone is where nothing nothing of, of any use tends to happen. Mm. So generally, the comfort zone is part of what got you into a bit of shit in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> so why would you keep doing the same thing? So this is a bit different to saying they're excited to leave their comfort zone because no, they are not. No, no are, one's happy about it. But they are prepared to because that's where the growth is going to occur mm. in terms of trying things like new types of exercise. The easiest example would be someone that hasn't done weight training before, <coughs> Courtney, that has <laughs> been, let's say, afraid of lifting weights before in their life, <coughs> Courtney. <laughs> you, got, you, you okay over there? You seem to have a cough. Oof, struggling. <laughs> So you may have someone that has not lifted weights before in their life and they've been intimidated by it, but they're prepared to give it a go provided they've got you know some sort of support mm. in place. And Courtney was a fantastic example. Uh, as, as we have touched on in previous episodes, when Courtney and I first met, uh, she was a treadmill girl. Had I never, was a walker. A walker. Had never touched uh, a weight in her life and... Well, your first workout with me was a weight session. And the overwhelming majority of Courtney's workouts ever since have been weight training sessions. Point I'm making is she left her comfort zone. Yes. And part of leaving that comfort zone in that in that respect has led to having a vastly improved body shape and a very nice butt. I know. I'm working hard on it. Thanks. It's, uh, it's working, dear. Keep it up. 
So we're not going to say that you need to be excited to leave your comfort zone because I, I put it this way. You're only human. Not many people are that excited to do it. No. However, there's a difference between not being excited and being prepared to do it because the outcome is worth it. 100%. Speaking of, Courtney, the next habit is... The reward was worth the work. What do you mean? Well, this is where we start to talk about finding your why again. Have we spoken about that before in the past? We've spoken about it several times, what? I have to be honest. Once or twice? Just a few. Okay. But I know that finding your why can sometimes come across really cliche when you say it, but it's really true. So that's why Matt and I continue to say it. Um, finding your why really just the reward is worth the work. And that really sums up finding your why. So the reward has to be something that means so much to you that it can allow you to do what Matt just said, which is to step outside your comfort zone. It can, it, the reward is worth the time investment in having a long-term outlook on a transformation. I think also the money you invest in yourself. 100%. The, the reward has to be worth it. And by reward, I think it also needs to be something that's potentially life-changing. Yeah, absolutely. So for, for myself, when I first met Matt, my why was that I was deeply unhappy with the way that I looked. I was tragically single and... Tragically had, single? I was a bit tragically single. And I was really keen in going out, meeting somebody, but... How'd that work out for you? Yeah, I know, ironically. Uh, but... The problem was that I hated the way that I looked. I didn't feel comfortable with the way that I looked. So I couldn't even imagine myself going out on dates or going out meeting people looking the way that I did because I didn't like the way that I looked. So I couldn't imagine somebody else liking the way that I looked. So I wanted to try to fix me first and be happy with me. And so along the way, obviously my why evolved and it continues to evolve, but it meant enough to me that I was more than happy to step outside my comfort zone. As Matt said, I'd never lifted weights before. And I started with two days a week of weight training. So I stepped outside my comfort zone. I financially invested in the training and the accountability with a trainer. I made mistakes and I admitted them along the way. I made a lot of mistakes and I've admitted them along the way. So all these things, I had the long-term mindset. I was prepared for the long-term mindset from the very first time I met Matt. He told me that it was going to be a long time and it was, he told me it was going to be longer than I had anticipated and that I wanted it to be. And I had to wrap my head around that and I accepted that and still pushed forward. So the, the why has to outweigh the sacrifice and the hard work to get there. Can I ask you a question, Courtney? You sure can. What's your advice for someone that doesn't think they found their why because they're struggling to stick with things? I would tell that person to wait until it means enough to them. I would say to that person, have a think about what is it that makes you the most unhappy. Yeah. Perhaps your goal should be to turn that around. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about that, if you think about, okay, what makes me the most unhappy? The most. 
with myself. And if you think about that thing and it still doesn't mean enough to you, well, it just it just doesn't. You're not ready yet. You're just not ready. And that's fine. Yeah. But whereas it's a great point that Matt was just making that if you think about the thing that makes you the most upset and it does you know, make you upset. It does keep you awake at night. It does make you conscious during the day. It, it makes you cry. It affects your life in different ways. Then maybe, yeah, your why has been staring you in your face and you just hadn't been open enough to see it. And that's generally what I, I know when I um, meet new people um, that come come looking for help. That's always the first thing that, well, for Courtney and I, it's the first thing that we, we really try and flesh out is okay, why are you doing this? What are your biggest problems? Mm. Whatever your biggest problems are, there's no right or wrong, it's a personal thing. But whatever they are, let's go and address those first. That tends to be what you're tying into as the why. Would you agree? Absolutely, 100%. All right, so speaking of, uh, let's move on to the next one. What number are we up to? Eight. Eight. Number eight is this. This habit is a big one. They do what they know they need to do even when they don't want to do it. Mm. This is another way of saying, aka, they don't rely on the gigantic load of horse shit (laughs) known as motivation. They don't do things when they're motivated to do it because guess what? No one is motivated all the time. We're not. Uh, You okay? Yeah, I'm just enjoying this. Keep going. Okay. We're not motivated. (laughs) Our clients aren't always motivated. You won't be either. It's part of being human. This is where when you hear things like, oh, I didn't go to the gym this week. Why? Oh, I, just, I just didn't feel motivated. Get out. Get out. No, seriously. Uh, part of the process of losing weight, getting in, in the best shape of your life, improving your health, etc. Not The whole process is not going to be fun. No. In fact, quite a fair bit of the process is going to involve that whole thing about leaving your comfort zone and doing things that, shall we say, might be less than entertaining. Yes. So some people, as Courtney has said before with herself, don't particularly enjoy exercise. Some people, and I'm one of them, do not. In fact, they loathe the whole idea of shopping and cooking. I hate being in the kitchen. I can't stand it. But I do anyway. Why is that? Because it has to be done. Same thing with Courtney and the exercise. Doesn't enjoy it, has to be done. So a successful habit, the best transformations have in common is they do what they have to do even when they don't want to do it. Courtney, your two cents, please. I completely agree. And I've spoken several times about motivation and how the the term motivation has been given far far too much rain in today's society. Are we officially killing it? It needs to be killed. Are we striking it from the dictionary? Well, I mean, you often see all these inspirational quotes, and they all involve the word motivation. So it's just bombarded with you. You you know you you bombarded by the term of motivation, motivation, motivation. But these days, motivation it just doesn't hold up. It's just not enough to say. I'm going to rely on motivation to get me through. Good luck with that because I'm yet to meet someone that has. uh, That includes myself. There are some days where I just couldn't be bothered. And if Matt can't do it, then I would be hard-pressed to find anyone that could do it because Matt might be the most self... uh, 
I don't know what to self-fueled person I have ever met in my entire life. So if even he can't stay motivated all the time, then there's no help for the rest of us. No, and the thing is, it's part of being human. So I think it's an unreasonable expectation. I think so. And I think people say, well, if you don't, people often say to me, well, if you're not relying on motivation, then what is there? And I say to them, well, think about replacing the word motivation with dedication or commitment. Because those are the two terms that are going to get you through. Commitment. That's that's my favorite one. Commitment is in is is a far better term than motivation because motivation implies a feeling. It implies whether you're in the mood or you're not in the mood, sort of a thing. Whereas commitment is a harder stance. So you've committed to something. So you, you will do it, whether you want to or not. It's like, it's like being a child again and, and your mum tells you to clean your room. You don't want to do it, but you have to do it to achieve the end result. And that's the thing as well, that the commitment is to that end result. And that ties back to our previous point. The end result has to be worth doing the things that you don't always feel like doing. Absolutely. And if the end result isn't important enough to you, if you haven't really found your true why of doing it, well, then of course, then even commitment won't stand up because you'll get to the commitment part of things and you'll think, well, nah, it's, it's still fine. Like, I still don't care. And that's because your end result is not strong enough. I like it. Courtney, Moving on. What's next? Number nine. They have a positive support network Mm. so obviously there is we put in the word positive there positive support network because there is such thing as a negative support network so we matt and i just can't say well they have a support network because it could be shit support network (laughs) whereas the most successful transformations that we've ever had have been people that have a positive support network around them so we're talking about a, a supportive partner We've had transformations where they've done it together, even. Or they haven't done it with their partner, but they have been behind them the whole way. Their partner has, has encouraged and empowered them. Encouraged them, helped them with food prep. Haven't have them accountable. And keep them accountable. And it could be something just as simple as not complaining about the change in food at home. We've had so many clients that will come to us and say, oh, well, yeah, you know, my husband or wife or partner, they make these comments because they don't like the food. I don't really give a shit if they like the food or not. They don't have to eat it. It's not their problem. So that can be more damaging to someone who's trying to put themselves out there, out of their comfort zone, then I think that that partner realizes. So little comments like that are not helpful. So... You're talking a supportive, a positive support network. You're talking about positive partners at home. Friends. Friends, family. People in the gym. Environment in the gym. Where do you work out? Is it a positive place to go? Who do you work out with? Absolutely. All these things play into it and, and help you achieve the end result as well. It's yeah. essential to have those sort of people around you because, as Matt said as well, there's very, very few people that can do this alone. Like you're talking 0.001% of the population. Courtney, could you do it on your own? 
100% not. Why? <laughs> because I am the sort of, I think that I'm one of the majority of people that need support around them. They need accountability around them. I need accountability around me. I need to be accountable to someone. Otherwise, I fall back into bad habits and I've done it before. So I can say that that definitely happens because I know from experience. I need accountability around me and I need support around me to uplift me in in going forward. And I think that that's really important. And, and I was very one of the lucky ones as well when I did my transformation originally because when I first, very first met Matt and started working out, I lived at home. And I know for a lot of people when they live with people that aren't necessarily on the same healthy lifestyle choices as they are, they find it very difficult. Whereas I was spoke to my family about what I was doing. They were supportive of it. I, of course, shared a kitchen with them. So rather than take everything out of the fridge, take everything out of the pantry, if the people I lived with wanted to continue to eat the food that they liked, we'll go for their life. That's not my life. They can live their life the way they wanted to. All I did was designate in my fridge and in my pantry to have my own shelf. And my family knew it was my shelf. So whatever food was on that shelf was mine. I would cook my own food. I'd do my own shopping. And they were supportive the whole way along. So no, they didn't eat the same food as I did, but they didn't care that I was eating something different. They were happy that I was happy and that I was doing something that I wanted to do. I think as well, uh, the, the whole idea of having a positive support network feeds into the psychology and the, the sort of mental health that goes into this whole process that put it this way that the whole discussion of mental health will be a podcast unto itself soon enough Mm. but look at what look at the psychological impact that it has on people when they're surrounded by people that are encouraging and empowering them saying yes you can now i've heard it before in the past where people have said to me oh yeah my my partner my friend my insert person here said to me why are you doing that you'll just quit what does that do to someone between the ears? It's such a oh, bum bum bum. It's devastating. I think it's devastating. Yeah. Uh, so choosing who you have around you to help carry you through the tough times and to keep you up and getting even better during the good times is beyond critical. Absolutely. I, I, I'm no different. Like Courtney, thank you for the kind words uh, about being a self-starter. But even I do better. Because I get inspired by people around me. Absolutely. And it encourages me to you know, put even, even a better effort in every single time. Well, you're also a competitive person, Matt. So that, that. that helps drive you also when you've got people, successful people around you, that helps drive you to push harder. Whatever works. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever presses the buttons. It's like that saying that you love, Matt, about the people that the five people you surround yourself with. You are the average of the five people you associate with the most. Yep. It is the truth. For better or for worse. Absolute truth. So moving on to the 10th and final habit that successful transformations have in common. They strive for consistency and progression, not perfection. Now this ties into the whole all or nothing discussion. I'm going to get it right. I'm going to do it 100% or no, I've failed. I'm not going to try it all. Mm. Doesn't work that way. No, definitely not. 
And I think this also is almost like a spin-off point from the whole thing about admitting and owning mistakes. So all along the way, mistakes are going to be made. Things are going to be... They're going to be bumps in the road, shall we say. There's unplanned shit that is going to happen. Yeah. However, people that have had the, the best results we've seen have known that things that are unplanned are going to come up sooner or later and you deal with that. You move on, you move around, you deal with it. And they also are striving just for consistent improvement and consistent application, which is a, a whole lot different to doing things perfect because guess what? No one does. Mm. No one. Not even the trainers. So if we aren't doing things quote unquote perfectly, how can we expect you to answer? Yep. We can't. Courtney, would you agree? 100%. Why? I think you've just nailed it. Have I nailed it? Na- nailed it. Smashed it, mate? Yep. But I just love the, I love the words of consistency and progression. And I think that, again, I think it also ties into learning and the emphasis on that people are willing to open themselves up to learning, that you're learning about consistency, progression, you're learning about taking steps forward, creating new habits. Perfection means, as, as you said, Matt, all or nothing, get it right now or, or you shit. Courtney, how would you define consistency in, in the context of weight loss? I think consistency for me personally, consistency in terms of weight loss would mean that you're getting it right more often than you're getting it wrong. Um, and, and, and that is, is as simply defined, you might, might for some people sound too simple, but realistically, that's what it comes down to. You're getting it right more often than you're getting it wrong. So you're making your training sessions. You're making your training sessions. You're working on your bad habits. So whatever bad habits maybe um, in terms of food related that you have. Let's say weekend binge eating. Let's say that. Starts to become a little bit more under control. Yep. So you might just start off with sorting out your Saturday. Let's not worry about the whole weekend as a whole. It's a very big idea to think about let's just focus on one of the two days and so that is progression you're you're making small steps to sort out bad habits things that are holding you back from achieving your goals and perfection would mean that you start something on monday and by monday night you've fixed the whole thing Mm. done well, or you get it right every day without fail. If if it works like that, we'd all do it. We'd all do it. And I think that that's the the biggest thing to keep in mind with a lot of these things when they come up, you've really got to turn that little common sense button in your brain on and have a bit of perspective and to be able to say, well, if it was that easy, everyone would have done it by now. Well said. Well said. Can I please add... A bonus, number 11, successful habit, the best transformations have in common. Do it. They don't try and fix everything at once. Mm-hmm. Speaking of consistency and progression, everyone, and I mean everyone, has a list of things that will be holding them back. 
the most successful transformations we've been involved with have been ready and willing to just address them one thing at a time. This is exactly why whenever I start someone with me, the first habit I like them to work on is, hey, let's start exercising. Yeah. 99 times out of 100, that is the first, best and easiest place to start. Where a lot of people come undone is Monday comes around, okay, I'm on my new diet, I'm at my new gym, I'm going to do it all at once. Then one thing goes wrong, uh, I failed. Yep. Yep, especially coming around to holiday season. Mm. You know, a lot of people coming into here in Australia at summer, coming into summer, so hot weather, people going to the beaches. Barbecues. You're getting into holiday season, there's parties. So coming into hot weather, everyone, a lot of people decide that, all right, I don't quite look as good in that bikini as I did last year. I want to, you know, tighten things up a little bit here. You're coming into holiday season also, so you've got parties and gatherings and things like that going on. So you can imagine if you had that attitude, you've got one day deciding, okay, I don't look as good in my swimsuit as I did last year I'm going to tighten things up a little bit here and you say all right I'm going to get everything perfect right now that's it oh on the weekend I've got three parties to go to what are you going to do and then you beat yourself up because you make a mistake or you ate something you should have had or you you did something you shouldn't have done and then oh my god disaster moving on cycle starts again on the Monday it's just a, it's just a like, never-ending nightmare. Yeah, so it's um, a, a safe habit to build is the habit of doing things one step at a time. Absolutely. Bre- breaking the process down into small bite-sized chunks. And I think on that note, Courtney? We are done. No, we're not. Oh. Emails. Dun, dun, There's the music. We will get real music one day. I promise. I kind of feel like we shouldn't though. I kind of feel like we should. Your music is not cutting it. We have an email from Sarah. Awesome. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Wow, wake up there, Courtney. Okay, Sarah, thank you for writing in. Uh, oh, Courtney, what's our email address? Podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. Yeah, so Sarah sent in a fantastic email. Uh, Sarah says, hi, guys. Just discovered your podcast and I love it. I'm in the first month of my weight loss journey and I just listened to episode three. Matt, I definitely emotionally eat on the happy side. Any success gets celebrated with a sweet treat or dinner out. I reward myself with dinner at a favorite restaurant or treat at the local bakery. Something I've been working on is figuring out non-food rewards and non-food activities to do with family. Like... Instead of taking my son out for ice cream, we go to the park instead. Also, I'm having to readjust what date night looks like for my husband and I. Usually we go out for a big fancy meal and drinks. What do you and Courtney do for dates that doesn't blow your health and fitness goals? Thanks again for your podcast. And Courtney, thanks so much for being a great role model for us women. You don't know her very well. It's nice to have a fitness expert to get advice from. That's not a size two. Thanks, Sarah. Wow. Thank you very much, Sarah. Thank you. That actually is really touching for you to say that. I appreciate that. And also congratulations on starting your own fitness journey. 
and I hope it's going very well for you. So, Courtney, what do we do for dates that don't blow our health and fitness goals? Well, Matt and I do do different things for our dates. We we try to have a date once a week at least because I think that's really important not only as a married couple but because we also work together. I think it's it's really important for us. We've made a big effort to make sure we have that time where we're not constantly working or we're not seeing each other as co-workers or things like that. We are actually a married couple. Uh, so we do different things. Sometimes our date nights do involve dinner and sometimes they don't involve dinner. So if they don't involve dinner, we will try to do different things. Matt and I really love to go and see new things that we haven't done before. So we'll do things like go to the zoo um, we'll go to the aquarium, we'll go for a road trip down the coast and go to the beach. We'll, oh, what else do we do, Matt? Movies. Movies are big. Matt's a, Matt, Matt's a big movie lover. So movies are in the house and at the cinemas. We go to the movies. Yeah, sometimes we don't even leave the house. We just have movie night at home. Um, but, but I think though the question also relates to in terms of food choices. Yeah. I think, Sarah, the, the best thing that Courtney and I do is we set boundaries. Yep. So, put it this way. We love things like ice cream. Yeah. We love chocolate. We love pizza, hamburgers. I love chicken parmigiana. Like, I think I'm on a world tour to have every parmigiana from every restaurant on earth. Is that like an international thing, parmigiana? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Oh, okay. Pretty sure it is. Anyway, we just set boundaries. So, Courtney and I have a boundary where we will have... No more than two, shall we say, date meals a week. Yes. And we work within those boundaries. What those date meals are, are entirely up to us. So sometimes they'll be here at home. We might have, you know, like a, a homemade hamburger after a workout or something. Or another one might be we might just go out to a nice restaurant together and have some dessert afterwards, have a couple of scoops of ice cream. Yep. There's no real right or wrong there because the thing is, and this goes back to the discussion we had before talking about consistency. So take someone like myself with where I'm at. I'm eating at least 42 meals a week. Mm. Now, of those 42 meals a week that I have, if two of those are off the plan I've laid out for myself, while 40 of them are on the money, am I really doing myself much harm? No. And I think the other, I think the the other thing that Matt and I tend to do, Sarah, is not think of them necessarily as rewards. I think that's a big sort of mental uh, side of things as well, where because we schedule them often, so at the start of the week we'll often say, you know, do, are we going to do our date this week on Friday or Saturday or Sunday or should we do breakfast or something like that? It becomes less of a reward and more of sort of a just scheduled time together. Mm. So, and that way as well, if like Matt said, we give ourselves a maximum of two a week, um, that sometimes it's only one a week, that it becomes less of a reward. And I think then that takes away the psychology of every time something good happens in our lives, we reward ourselves with food. It becomes less of a reward and more of just a spending time together. So yours might be less of a reward and just spending time with your family. Um, but because you've set yourself boundaries and limitations that you can stay within that and also be helping your 
weight loss goals. Now, also keep in mind, Courtney and I set the 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 boundary of two meals a week because we believe we can sustain that. Mm. So we're not saying that everyone needs to set the the same goal that we have. It just works for us. And because we've been doing this for quite some time now, we know we can sustain that quite comfortably. So with yourself, Sarah, it really just comes down to where you're at. I would just say that just um, set um, plan, plan your your dates with your husband, and uh, and stick within the boundaries you set for yourself. It's it's really hard to go wrong. And so Matt, then advice for Sarah on Sarah says that she definitely is an emotional eater on the happy side, and she usually celebrates good success with sweet 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 treats or going out and what do you do because you are again you spoke in our emotional eating episode about emotional eating on the happier side whereas I was, I was more on the sadder side hmm. um so how do you cope with that now i think you wrap it in to your planned um dates a week with your husband yeah so, so i just i still have those foods i love having that I would I would used to eat as as a celebration. I just have it with Courtney. So not you wouldn't necessarily if something good and successful happened. You don't necessarily celebrate there and then. You stick within your already scheduled plans. Bingo for that week. I just um you know high five. Well done. I've done something good. Um, I'm looking forward to going out with you on the weekend. Yeah, that's the best advice I can give there. Perfect. We're onto it. Yep. So, uh, I hope that helps, Sarah. If it doesn't, yeah. or if you need something else cleared up, please feel free to message us again. Actually, if it, if it doesn't help, can we just say that we're shit? Yeah, we might be shit. Yeah, um, you should probably unsubscribe <laughs> in that case because we're, we're the worst. But uh, we hope that helps. But yeah, if you do want any more information on any of those questions or if you have any new questions, please um, just shoot them through and we will more than happy to answer them. Yes, podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com is where you can reach us by email. We would love to hear from you for better or for worse. You can tell us how good we are. Tell us how shit we are. Uh, on that note, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, Courtney, well done. Virtual high you five. Too. Virtual high five. Boom. Hope this helps you guys in your transformation journeys, and hopefully you can pick up some of these great habits. Speak to you soon. Bye. Get more free tips. Listen to previous episodes and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com.